I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're with us. We started a new series last week, and if you weren't with us, it is on our website, and I'd encourage you to listen to it. It uh, will catch you up where we're going with the series, and it's called The End Commandments. Today's topic is Fear Not. So we talked last week about Jesus came to earth. He was God in a, in a human body. He hung out here with us for 30 couple years. He spent three plus years in ministry, uh, collecting some followers, uh, taught them some things, performed some miracles, and then he died. And as far as they were concerned, game was over. Uh, We thought he was the Messiah. I guess he's not. Even though he had told them over and over again (laughs) that uh, don't panic in three days, I'll come back to life. So then he did. And it changed everything. And then he leaves the earth, he starts the church, and he left the church with this new commandment. He said, I, I'll give you this new commandment, love one another just as I loved you. It kind of overshadows everything. So whatever you figure out doing, thinking, love one another just as I have loved you. And then he taught some, some other additional things, and uh, we're going to look at some of those things. They were some things not to do. <clears throat> and they're really not commands are kind of like more attitudes. Um, <clears throat> and so for the next 40 years or so, all the church had was the accounts of the resurrection. We call it a resurrection religion. And the stories and teachings of Jesus that were passed on. There was no written accounts. There was no Bible, uh, especially for the Gentiles. They didn't accept the Old Testament. We talked about last year, the, the church didn't require them to accept the Old Testament. And so we're looking at what would it be like to be a Jesus follower in those first 40 or 50 years with no Bible and just the resurrection accounts. Now, we're titling this series The N Commandments. And the N, we're going to look at five of them. The N stands for five knots that Jesus actually commanded, yet we don't really treat like commandments. They're kind of like suggestions and things we don't really think are possible just like the disciples didn't think it was possible. <clears throat> they seem unrealistic, things that we can't do. And So what else did they have but these teachings of Jesus? So we're going to look at one this morning, and we're going to put it in the form of an Old Testament statement. And here we go. Thou shalt not. Who remembers what it's about today? Fear. Okay. So thou, thou shalt not fear. Now... <clears throat> When you hear that, you say, oh, no problem. I, I don't do that at all. No fear. Uh, I just do it. Jesus said not to do it, so I don't do it. In fact, it's almost the opposite reaction. It's like when you tell your kids not to do something, what do they do? They just want to do it. And then the kids can become teenagers, and you'll be sure that whatever you tell them not to do, they're going to do, right? It's just that rebellion thing that we have in us. But even as adults, you know, don't touch... Wet paint, what are you going to do? You touch the wet paint. So there's just something inside of us. If somebody tells us not to do something, we want to do it. In fact, it's even practical to ask somebody not to fear. Just don't be afraid. Okay, I got it. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. It doesn't even seem practical. And... The interesting thing is this has seemed to be, if not the favorite, one of Jesus' favorite things 
to talk about. In fact, we're going to look at three times he talked about it uh, this morning. So he said, fear not. Don't be afraid. Fear not means don't be afraid, right? Most of us understand that. So the first incident we're going to look at was when Jesus was sending out his disciples, and he's going to send them out two by two, and he describes it this way. I'm going to send you out as sheep among wolves. And the disciples are the what? They're the sheep. Now, okay, Jesus, you're telling me I'm like a sheep, and I'm going to go out among wolves. How, are, how comfortable are sheep around wolves? Not real comfortable. That's a major fear category, right? Sheep and wolves. So Jesus elaborates, and he says, do not be afraid, but we're sheep and they're wolves. Do not be afraid of them who kill the body. All they can do is kill your body. Well, yeah, that's something to be afraid of, right? They are not able to kill the soul, the thing that's most important. They can't, uh, they can't touch that, so don't be afraid. But fear he, him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. You just told me not to be afraid. Now you're telling me to be afraid. Which is it? Yes or no? Be afraid or not be afraid? So Jesus gives them an illustration. He says, are, are not two birds, small birds, sold for a very small piece of money, and yet one of the birds falls to the earth without your father knowing it. So we have these almost worthless creatures, these birds, and God's aware of even when one of those birds die. He says, your father knows. All right, so if he knows about this most unlikely creature dying, he goes on. God knows about you. In fact, he knows you so well, he knows how many hairs you have on your head. So, consequently, if he knows how many hairs are on your head, you don't need to be afraid. Well, why don't I need to be afraid? Because you are more important than many small birds. In fact, if God knows how many hairs are on your head, which isn't important, he's certainly going to know the important things. But the bird died. Well, yes. So are you telling me God's going to keep us from the bad stuff? No, 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 no. Jesus said, it's better than that. You're going to have bad stuff. Bad stuff's going to happen. It's better than that because God is going to take care of you when you have the bad stuff or when bad things happen. You are more important than many small birds. So we're going to look at two instances, kind of connected, related, where Jesus tries to teach, make application of this principle with his disciples. <clears throat> and the uh, first one's in Mar uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23. So Jesus hung around the Sea of Galilee. So often they, and some of the guys were fishermen, and they would get in boats. And uh, one reason they would get in boats is get away from the crowd. Uh, they couldn't zoom off in, a, in their cars, so they would get in a boat and go out in the water to get away from the crowd. So in this instant, Jesus got into the boat with his, his followers, and they followed him. That's a good thing for a follower to do, right, <laughs> is to follow. So Jesus got in the boat. His followers were following, so they got in the boat with him. <clears throat> At once, a bad storm came over the lake, 
and the waves were covering the boat. So, big storm, water's coming into the boat, uh, kind of a scary situation, right? Now, I've never been in that situation, probably most of you haven't been. If you have, you could probably tell us, but we can't really relate to that, but we can relate to some scary situation. I remember as a child, I was in a, I was in a house, but there was a hurricane, and our, our, our lawn furniture was blow, blown down the street and everything. It was kind of scary for, as a child. So I'm sure you've been in some scary weather condition. Maybe it was a th- severe thunderstorm or an earthquake or a tornado or, or some situation where it was kind of scary. Uh, and you might have been in panic mode. Well, that's the situation here. And these guys, were, some of them were fishermen, but evidently this was a very severe storm they were in danger of evidently ship, sinking the ship. So that's the situation with the disciples. But Jesus <laughs> was sleeping. Now, it said, Matthew says he was sleeping. I'm not quite sure if he was sleeping. Um, as a parent, sometimes our kids would come into our room and we would act like we were sleeping. And we really weren't sleeping. And sometimes we would go into our kids' rooms when they were supposed to be sleeping, and they would be acting like they're sleeping, and they weren't sleeping. But whether Jesus was sleeping or not sleeping, the, 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 uh, the lesson is here, he's aware of what's going on. Now, kind of a side note here. Some of you may have left the faith. You, you stopped following Jesus because in some situation in your life, Jesus was asleep, as far as you were concerned. You were in some storm of life, and he didn't help. He either was asleep, or he didn't care, or he didn't exist. And so, consequently, you no longer follow him. And if you are in that situation, we're glad that you're here this morning. (laughs) Uh, Maybe reconsidering or just checking things out. I want to say to you, you're not the first by a long shot. You're not the first the thought that God wasn't there in your storm. It goes all the way back to this example uh, of the disciples and many people uh, in generations after that. So you, I would encourage you to reconsider just as the disciples didn't stop following Jesus just because he seemed or he was asleep. His followers went to him And call, help! (laughs) Lord, or we will die. We're going to drown. Help us. Wake up. Take care of us. Of course, he said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to fall asleep on you guys. I'm here to help, right? No, that's not what he said. He said to them, why are you afraid? Well, can't you see? We're going to drown. The water, boat's filling up with water. That's a silly question. Why are we afraid? You have so little faith. You have so little trust. You have so little belief. So then what's he do? Well, he stands up. He spoke sharp words to the wind and the waves, and the wind stopped Blowing. 
I wish I could stop it from blowing out there this morning. I, I, got, I can't do that, but Jesus can do that. The men were surprised. That's an understatement. Some translations of the word amazed. Uh, nobody does this. Nobody says wind stopped blowing and it stops blowing. And they wondered about it. And they said, who is this? What kind of man is this? Who controls the weather? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Uh, we don't get this. This is really strange. What kind of man is this? And the natural response is, it's a superman. Not the superman, but a superman. Or maybe the original superman. That didn't come with comic books. All right. Only uh, a super or supernatural person or being can control the weather. We're not just here with a man. We're here with some special person. So, this is interesting because they were afraid and now they're more afraid, but they're not afraid of the storm anymore. <laughs> they're afraid of who they're with. And in Mark's account of this, he uses a play on words. He says, they feared a great fear. So, they, were, they had a great fear and then they had a greater fear because this Jesus took care of the fear. And if somebody can take care of the fear, there's something to be feared. We're fearing the wrong thing or the wrong person. We should be afraid, not in fear of he's going to hurt us, but in all respect for this great power authority. <clears throat> so, we have this incident, and disciples didn't do so well in this scenario, and then... Time goes by, and Jesus has the disciples help him with this, we call it the miracle of feeding the 5,000. It's interesting because it's only one that's in all four Gospels, by the way. And it was more than 5,000. It was 10, 15, 20,000 people. First, he tells the disciples, you feed them. And, of course, the disciples say, Jesus, are you crazy? <laughs> There's 20,000 people out here. We, we didn't have enough money, enough time to go to town and buy food and carry it all back here anyway. If we did, it's just impossible. And Jesus is kind of shaking his head, and he says, okay, I'll take care of it. But they, they got to participate in this fantastic miracle of feeding all these people. And so they're probably feeling pretty cool. Hey, Jesus is do these, doing these things, and, and we're his closest followers. So then we're going to pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14. At once. So this is immediately after they fed these 5,000 people. Immediately or at once, he had his followers get into the boat. And now, of course, it's just his closest followers, not thousands of people, get into the boat. He told them, go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the people away. So he said, okay, you guys get in the boat. Now, we don't know if it was the last time, but recently when they were in a boat, it wasn't such a good scenario. This time, Jesus isn't even going with them. He's sending them out. And so, they're, they're obedient. They're, they're doing what he said. And he says, you guys go, and I'll get rid of the crowd. And so, he dismisses the crowd. And then he does something really important, something really significant. He, after he sent them away, he went up into a mountain by himself to pray. To be restored, refreshed. Connect, reconnect or connect in a greater way with his father. So that's what he did. So disciples are out in the boat. He's uh, in the hills praying. <clears throat> the story goes on. By this time, 
The boat was far from land. So time had passed, and they've been rowing and rowing. They're, now, far from land is kind of an anomaly because the, the Sea of Galilee is only five miles wide. <laughs> but uh, they're out there somewhere in the middle, middle of the Sea of Galilee, exactly more like a lake. <clears throat> and they're being thrown around by the waves. The wind was strong against them. Now, this wasn't like the storm before. This was like a headwind. And so they're rowing and rowing, and evidently they're not getting anywhere. I don't know if you've ever been a boat with a headwind, and, uh, you know, it's like the uh, rowing machine. You, you row and you don't go anywhere. So they're obeying. They're working at it, evidently for hours. They've got blisters on their hands. They're sweating, and they're not getting anywhere other than the middle of the lake someplace. So the reason we know it is, like all night long, is because of the, the story goes on saying... Uh, just before the light of day. So this was a long time. They were out there. Jesus went to them walking on the water. And when the followers saw him walking on water, they were what? Afraid. Again, there was fear. Now, if you don't buy the whole walking on water thing, that's okay. I understand that. Kind of hard to believe. People don't normally do that. But this is the story. And the important thing is their reaction they were afraid. Uh, goes on. It's, they were afraid because they thought it was a ghost. People don't walk on water, so it must be a ghost or a spirit. Uh, and not only were they afraid, they let their emotions out. They, they yelled. They cried out in fear. Oh, no. What's going to happen to us? And, of course, Jesus said, oh, I'm sorry to scare you. That's not my intention. I'm out here to help. Uh, that was what he said, right? Once Jesus spoke to them and he said, you failed. You failed the test. I've been trying to teach you not to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid and you're not learning it. You're afraid of the storm when you shouldn't have been because I was there. You're afraid of, remember, you're afraid and now you're afraid even though I am here, but I kind of, in a strange circumstance. Things you naturally, normally could be afraid of, should be afraid of. But I told you, you don't need to be afraid of. So that once Jesus spoke to them and said, take hope or be encouraged, it is I. It's me, the Messiah, God, God's Son, Jesus. All right? When I am here, you have no need to fear. You mean, Jesus, you were watching us even though you weren't here? Yeah, 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 I, I was watching. You didn't have any reason to fear. So he said, do not be afraid because I am here. Do not be afraid. There's no need to be fear, afraid if I'm here. It wasn't back in the boat with the storm. There's no need to be af- afraid now. So here's the lesson. You don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. You don't have to be afraid even when there's something legitimate to be afraid of. Now, I'm going to ask you all to do something with me because I think it's really important, it's powerful to, to verbalize these things, to hear yourself say it, hear other people say it. So we're going to say it out loud. Um, and some of you really need to hear it right now because you're in a scary situation. I don't know what it might be, but uh, you are. 
So we're going to personalize and start with I. So let's say it together out loud, all right? Everybody, don't be, because the pastor said it, I'm not going to do it, all right? Don't be rebellious. Let's all say it together. I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. Now, at least one of you is not saying this. It would be a little louder. So let's say it again. I don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. something you and I need to, can, get to learn. And if you haven't learned this yet, (laughs) um, disciples didn't get it either. All the way up to when Jesus got arrested, what did the disciples do? They were ran away. They were afraid, Right? Only after the resurrection of Jesus, we talked about last week, did the disciples become fearless. Fear, 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 even when Jesus told them not to, up until the resurrection, after the resurrection, no more fear. They learned their lesson. I don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of, because Jesus is here. Jesus is alive. Jesus is resurrected. So when they lost their fear of death, which people tell us, or experts tell us is the second greatest fear, I don't know how it can't be the greatest. Speaking in front of people is supposed to be the greatest fear. I have to do it every week. But anyway, uh, second greatest fear, fear of death. When they lost their fear of death, they feared not. Now, Americans or Western Christians, I don't think have really learned this. Uh, other parts of the world, people, people have. Uh, we get afraid of a little persecution. And other parts of the world, people fear for their life or potentially fear for their life because they are Jesus followers. <clears throat> but when you lose your fear of death or the fear of the one that can destroy the body but not the soul, then you can fear not. So for some people, this is a way of life. It was for... the followers of Jesus in those first 40 or 50 years. Again, with no Bible, just resurrection stories and the teachings of Jesus. So we're going to go back and look at a historical event about 175 AD, 150 years or so after Jesus. The Roman Empire is still in control of the world. And during this time, Christians are experiencing what's called the fourth persecution of the church. So an emperor would come along and he would persecute the church for a while and then it would die down and then he would persecute the church again. So this is, a, this is the fourth, fourth one in 150 years, persecution of the church. <clears throat> so Christians were being blamed for stuff. Christians were arrested. They were tortured and, and killed for being, just for being Christians. Well, there was a, a, a Roman doctor who wrote a lot during this time. His name was Claudius Gal- Galenus. And we have a lot of writings of his, and he mentions Christians periodically in his writings. Now, the thing you need to understand back then was this doctors could not examine dead bodies. It was prohibited. So once a body died, you buried it or, or burn it or whatever. So they, 
to, to learn about bodies, they had to examine living bodies. And so what they would do is hang around in the, in the Colosseums and so forth where the Christians were being per, uh, tortured and executed, so they would observe dying bodies. And so, very fascinating. This, here's one, something he wrote about his observation of being, hanging around these dying Christians. He said, for fearless of death and the hereafter is something we witness in them every day. This is a way of life. There's a common occurrence with the dying believers in the first or second century now. No fear of death. The most common fear, second most common fear, they didn't have it. Why? Because of the resurrection of Jesus. But doesn't everybody fear death? No. Not if you come to understand that Jesus is alive, he rose, and you and I are going to raise, be raised and live forever with him. Now, I want to tell you a story. I grew up in a place called Glen Burnie, which is down near Baltimore, real close to the Chesapeake Bay. And I grew up with my dad and my granddad taking me crabbing. And we would do it off of piers and docks and stuff. And, and uh, actually, my brother who was two years younger than me fell in once and my grandfather rescued him. Real, kind of a dramatic story, but anyway. Uh, around water, I've never been afraid of water. I learned how to swim. Uh, I like water. As I got older, we used to go crabbing on boats, little boats. We did the rowing thing. That's how I know about the headwind thing. And so I like water. I'm not afraid of it. Enjoy it. <clears throat> so back in 1991, in November, my wife and I went to Jamaica on our 25th anniversary trip. Now, we were on the water. We, our resort was on the water. Uh, <clears throat> it was interesting. There weren't a lot of tourists then because it was right after 9-11, uh, a couple months after 9-11, so people weren't traveling. So uh, it wasn't crowded. And so being on the water, I wanted to do water sports, right? I want to do things in the water. Now, let me tell you about my wife. My wife grew up in Boonesboro. Uh, the greatest water she saw was Greenbrier Lake, all right? She never learned how to swim. So consequently, she is afraid of water. Now, kind of a natural response if you can't swim, right? So we're in Jamaica, and uh, there's this cool falls a little ways away that you could uh, actually walk up the falls. That was a pretty cool experience. Uh, Bigsby's were just there and did that. Um, so I encouraged her, I nudged her, <laughs> say, why don't we take this little boat, you know, a mile up the coast to the falls? That'd be kind of cool. Seemed cool to me. It didn't seem too cool to her. And, and, and on our way, why don't we do some snorkeling? Now, my wife was brave, a brave person because she was willing to go snorkeling without being able to swim and not liking the water. So we get our gear on. She has a vest on. So she can't really drown, right? And so forth. Now, I remembered I was holding her hand while we were doing it. She was telling me she was actually laying on top of me while we were snorkeling. But anyway, she was willing to get in the water and go snorkeling even though she was afraid of water. Now, I wasn't afraid because I'd been there, done that, right? Lots of times. Been around water. Didn't need to be afraid. <clears throat> I could say to her, fear not, because I am with you. I am the one that 
can help. I am the one that's not afraid, right? So what does Jesus say? Fear not. Don't fear the greatest fear, fear of death, because been there, done that, right? And now I'm alive. And I am with you. And when I am with you, you have no need to be afraid. So Jesus has encouraged all of us to surrender our lives to him. Not only our lives, but our fears to him. And since he conquered death, we don't need to be afraid. Fear not. You don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. So as we close this morning, I would ask you all to close your eyes, and I want you to think about your greatest fear right now. Your greatest fear right now. Now, I don't know if you're a teenager. I can't remember that far back, but I don't know what your greatest fear is that somebody won't ask you out. I don't know. Um, a parent, greatest fear may be that something would, somehow one of your children would be harmed. Maybe your greatest fear is in a relationship with one of your children. Uh, you're not getting along well or vice versa. Maybe it's with your spouse. Um, some dis- disharmony, discord there. Maybe it's a health issue for you. Maybe it's a health issue for someone you care about. Maybe an aging parent. Maybe it's a financial issue. You don't know how you're going to pay your bills. You don't know if you're going to be out on the street next month. I don't know. Be something completely different. What is your greatest fear right now? And maybe it feels like, seems like Jesus is asleep. But let me assure you, he's not. And let me also tell you that if you are afraid and you're not a Jesus follower, you're a great candidate to be a Jesus follower because so were the disciples. So let me pray for you and I pray about your, your greatest fear this morning. Father God, thank you that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of small stuff because you take care of the big stuff. So everything else is small stuff. You're taking care of eternity. We don't even need to fear dying. In fact, I was talking to someone earlier this morning that they're almost, in some respects, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we won't be dealing with sin anymore. We'll be in, in, in heaven in a sinless place. But God, these fears, we can't just uh, uh, order them away. They don't just go away because Jesus said that we shouldn't have them. But it's something we can learn. Disciples learned it. Jesus is alive. They were fearless. We can be fearless. But I pray for you and your fear that you will let God handle it for you. He can... He can command the winds and the storm. He can take care of your situation. If you're not a Jesus follower, we encourage you to place your hands on somebody (laughs) that will take away your fears. Especially that fear of one day standing before your your creator. And he's going to ask, okay, why should I let you into heaven? That could be scary if you don't have an answer. But if you know Jesus, your answer is taken care of. Father God, I thank you that you weren't afraid to let your son suffer and die so our fears could be conquered and our relationship restored with you. 
We thank you that this day and every day we celebrate that Jesus is alive. In his name we pray. Amen.